it's Demi and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week I chatted with Liv who is an ex-evangelical who opens up about how she grew from her past perceptions of the world and gained a new perspective and outlook on life. We have a really open, honest and respectful discussion about where she was, some of the views she held and how she's moved through some of the guilt and shame she's felt for who she was and where she stood on things. This conversation is something a lot of us will be able to relate to. If you're open when listening to this discussion, it's definitely going to be something that a lot of us are able to relate to. We all hold some kind of shame or guilt of actions we've done in the past because newsflash, we're not all perfect as much as we wish we were. Mistakes are a part of life and especially a part of our lame growth journeys. (laughs) But it's super important that we're able to talk about these things and we don't sweep things under a rug and pretend that they never happened and feel as though we're higher than thou because we've learned from them. It allows us to have empathy moving forward when we approach situations, when we have discussions with people who have differing views than we do now. I hope you listen to this discussion with an open mind, reflect on yourself and leave knowing you're not alone in your own journey. So with that being said, let's jump straight into episode 59 of the podcast. Your past doesn't define who you are today. Hey Liv, thank you so much for joining me on the Millennial Crisis podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'll stop. Now, (laughs) I start off every podcast with the same three old boring questions, more because I like to get the guests to do all the heavy lifting for me. And those three questions are, (laughs) what is your name, age, and what do you do or what are you known for? Cool. Okay. Um, My name is Liv. I am 25. And I, what do I do? I mean, I don't like to pin myself down, but if I was to like talk about my job, I happen to work for a mental wellness app in marketing, which is really cool. Um, And I love it. And um, I'm also pretty into music, play a bit of music here and there. Oh, I didn't know that. I also happen to be an (laughs) ex-evangelical. which is partially partially the reason that I've that I've got you on one because I think you're brilliant and two um because I think that your story or some of the parts of your story are going to be relatable to a lot of people even though they may not have come from the church or something but um I know hearing some of the things that we spoke about previously like I could definitely relate to certain areas because the whole concept of having you on is that we grow up a certain way and that isn't um, part of our control Mm -hmm. and then as we grow up and are exposed to new ways of living and communities and all of these things we start to question I think it always starts off with Mm -hmm. questioning um, the views Mm -hmm. and perceptions that we've had Um, until now and then we start to change or at least anybody who is listening to the millennial crisis podcast right now is definitely in that either curiosity or change phase of things and when we go through the change phase it also comes with like shame and guilt of that past perception or Mm -hmm. past actions and I think um, today's conversation is really going to um, be super open honest judgment-free on both parts and we're just going to really dive into how community is is really strong and impactful and it can both be um, really beautiful and it can also sometimes put us down a track that may not align with the values that we currently have or have had you know Um, yeah I completely agree yeah we're malleable you know we change and um, our lives experience shape us and it's so normal it's so completely just the way we are as humans so it's kind of cool just to talk openly about it and yeah sometimes sometimes these topics can be difficult but I think it's important to talk about them 
Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I, I want to go back to the music for one second because I love like diving into to different things, and I find, and I don't know if this is the thing, but I found for me at least around twenty five, I started to. I guess, do more or pick up things that I may have lost in the start of my 20s. And I think, I don't know if it's a thing, but I hear a lot of other people have that similar experience. It's where you start like questioning a lot of things and then being like, you know what, I used to do this and it used to be really fun. I don't know why I stopped that. Or is that what's happened with? That is exactly (laughs) what's going on for me right now. 100%, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I... I've been through, I don't even know how to explain it. It's weird with my music because I was so passionate, you know, like I was always really into it. And I think what happened is I I was so good at it and um, I had kind of expectations placed on me, whether it was from myself or people around me, whether it was like my music teacher or whatever, or it was just like me perceiving expectations of other people that weren't there. But um, I've always been like a people pleaser. I've always been a perfectionist and I've always really battled with that all or nothing mentality of like, what's the point if it's not right, if it's not just right, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my problem with music um, is that I didn't know that I I didn't, I wasn't self-aware enough to realize that this was like um, actually stopping me from, um, you know, like improving or like just constantly working on it. I didn't really realize that. And I just slowly became more and more fatigued over time and just stopped. And it was really heartbreaking because I lost, like, I lost something in my life that brought me so much, like, beauty and creative expression and, like, a release. Like, whenever I needed a release, that was the thing that I had. And I didn't have it anymore because I had so much guilt tied to, like, any time I looked at that guitar or looked into the room where I usually tried to play music or whatever, I would just have that, um, that guilt and that, like, frustration and that anger all kind of coming up at once and it would be too much. So it would just fuel the problem and put like, yeah, I just put it off. Um, so I'm trying, I've been actively trying throughout the last couple of years just to kind of process that, become more aware of it, understand it a little bit better, um, try and work out what part of that is helpful and what part of it isn't, most of it isn't, and just slowly get back into it again. I love that. I think because it's it's so relatable to so many of us and some of us may be in that process right now where we feel like we've Mm. lost something or we never had something because we were too scared to explore. Yeah. So there's there's so many things that we kind of traps we fall into and then it's that like guilt or shame of like, well, I I never had a hobby or I never discovered something, a passion when I was younger it's like weird and embarrassing. It's too late now. To, yeah, too late now to start it now. Yeah, and, um, yeah it's it, it's so not. And, and mm. the fact that like curiosity is the fucking coolest thing ever. And like, of course, yeah, it's so good. It's the best. Yes. Let's dive into a little bit of the way you grew up. Cool. I grew up in New Zealand in a small town um, in a farm in the middle of nowhere um with my family very Christian home but not necessarily in a bad way I went to church as a kid as well but we lived like half an hour 45 minutes out of the local town so we would drive like a solid 40 minutes every Sunday to go to church and do the grocery shopping and stuff like that Um, my school had 30 kids as well which is really crazy so like I was one of those crazy country kids that just like yeah, I was the only kid in my year. This is like very trippy. Um, and when I was 13, I think 13, um, my family all moved up to a little um, suburb called Snell's Beach, which is an hour north of Auckland. And um, the main pull of my parents um, that brought them there was um, this church. Um, I'm not going to name it, but... Um, we were really involved in this church um and yeah it was like my whole life basically as soon as we moved up here I yeah it was I mean there was a lot of crazy things about moving into like a suburban area like being able to walk like five minutes down the road to the dairy and pick up like an ice cream mm-hmm. um but it was also just really trippy um moving from like a farm in the middle of nowhere to like living on basically a church and like a um 
a campus that was a Christian like tertiary institute. So yeah, my dad was like the caretaker and I was basically just like an absorbent sponge, like um, <laughs> just trying to make sense of it all. Um, and, you know, it wasn't all bad, but I look back on that and there's a lot of lessons and there's a lot of things. Like I, I could not go back to that life. There's, there's a couple of layers to the story as well, because I think growing up in a small town is one thing. And I know that people that grow up in smaller towns often like seek that big city life and and want to know and and I actually find that they end up being more curious about the world because the way they're living I guess maybe isn't portrayed in a lot of other areas or they've got an ideal or dream about what Mm. quote-unquote real that's something that happened removing the church was that something that was part of your the small town growing up that's such an interesting question. And I think that I never really thought about this, but I really think you're right now that I now that I'm going there with that. Because growing up in a small town on a farm, like it wasn't even a town. It was literally just a house <laughs> on a farm. <laughs> growing up there, I guess it did give me such a curiosity for the outside world. And so for us to go up to Auckland was the craziest, most incredible thing. And just like, you'd be in the car looking at the car window like oh my god this is how some people live here this is like crazy I could not make sense of it you know what I mean like it was just so out there to me Mm. um and then to think as well that like the majority of the world's population is living in these densely densely populated areas and that I was the minority that was also really like hard thing to get my head around but I, I think it instilled into me that curiosity because as soon as I moved to like a more suburban area I still had that curiosity for the wider world I'm sure a lot of people have that anyway it's common in New Zealand probably in Australia as well right because we're so isolated from the rest of the world I guess I've just always had that I just want to know what else is out there well it's one narrative that I definitely hear from a lot of millennials at least that I speak to or a lot of people that end up being more willing to push themselves out of their comfort zone I think because they've done a big kind of step from when they were younger Uh, and I I Mm. noticed that in a lot of the millennial crisis community in general that they've they've come from somewhere and they've they've gained that insight and curiosity Mm. I I think you're just aware of the benefits of it right yeah you know where it can lead you know the potential of it and so you don't want to like limit yourself from that for sure. And then I guess the second layer on there is is the growing up in in the church and mm. what the transition from having a certain way of living and, and a certain set of beliefs that you lived by. So I think one thing that's worth mentioning, and, and I, I think you've done a really good job of articulating that, and it makes me think of this idea of the church like it's very common for the church just to be lumped into one big box. Um, And I mean, you know, more or less the church has very very similar kind of um, set of views, but there's so much diversity in that, you know? So there's lots of little boxes within that church box. Same, Same with the Christian box. There's a lot of boxes inside the Christian box. So like when I'm talking about um, my story, I guess I'm talking about my personal experience, but that's not to say that everyone else has had the same experience with the church, you know what I mean? And not everyone else who is Christians might like have the same beliefs, you know? So you might meet like 10 different Christians and they all actually have really different beliefs on particular issues. And they still choose to label themselves Christians. And that's, I think, one of the things that I realize I can't do. I just can't bring myself to do that because (laughs) it's too confusing, you know? Like, even if I have a faith in some, like, small way, I would prefer just to be like, I'm live. And (laughs) that's all that really matters. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, I grew up with, yeah, a lot of interesting beliefs that I a lot of them I've shared and a lot of things I've learned from I guess it's it's a tricky thing to articulate because I love my parents so much and um, I think they raised me so well but there are things about the way my parents raised me that like I just don't agree with anymore and that's okay I I guess I grew up 
believing that homosexuality was wrong and purity culture is another massive thing that I grew up in that I kind of have pulled away from now and then there's a few other kind of ideas that are like less spoken about but they're still kind of common in the church that I commonly held by people in the church that I've parted from you know there's things like just a general like kind of lack of awareness of other belief systems out there a lack of respect for them and there's also quite a lot of racism in the church so yeah those are the things those are the main kind of things that I have kind of struggled with as I have deconstructed my beliefs since leaving the church and I think it's important to also note first off thank you for sharing that and secondly it's important to note that like a lot of us can be brought up in these beliefs whether we're in the church or not Mm. and I think it's because the further up you go generation to generation the more conservative they were or they have been Mm, so I know a lot of like ethnic communities as well can experience the same stuff and I guess but I don't know if we can put religion at the root of it although as you go further up there are I think stronger ties yeah Mm. definitely a vehicle right um because it builds a strong bond purpose sense of community belonging yeah and then something to make sense of life Exactly. And I think that's why people get so strongly tied to it. But I know a lot of people that I've spoken with at the millennial crisis and myself included, we were brought up with more conservative outlooks on on life and the laws that have been put in place uh, uphold them as well. Yeah. You know, you look at even at the smallest things of of women's rights and mm. body autonomy and we're still you know, seeing even legalization of, yeah. of gay marriage it's it's all of those things where of course like of course a lot of us had different perceptions and views of things because the whole world told us that that was okay and these people were able to be marginalized and treated like they were less than I think a lot of people that are listening would be feeling would relate to your story whether they were tied to the church or or not that we all have this kind of shame and or Mm -hmm. we even listened to certain authority figures when now we would easily be able to shut down a conversation like that or somebody who said something yeah um, 100% I think we're all just little bits in the machine of the world (laughs) you know what I mean like we all are like just little parts um of that and so our experiences are going to shape who we are and we can't control where we like how we grew up we can't control any of those things so it's just a matter of like taking a step back and if you choose to and if you want to um analyzing that stuff and finding which parts you want to hold on to and which parts you want to let go of for sure how did that transition go like where did you start to realize or start having a curiosity if maybe there was a different Mm -hmm. way to live or maybe some of the things that I'm hearing in my current community don't align with who I am or what I believe. When did that questioning start? Yeah, well, a part of it started probably when I was about, I don't know, 14, 15. So I was really heavily involved in this church's, um, in this church and the church youth group. I was also singing in like the worship team, which was hectic. Um, <laughs> um, it was it actually happened to be like a really quite a big super church so I'm not going to name the church but it's a church in Auckland and it has branches it's got like a big one and it had at the time a really massive one in Auckland um, and then like slightly smaller ones dotted around Auckland as well um, and it's also affiliated with Hillsong so that would give you like a little bit of a kind of I guess an indication of like their style, their Pentecostal church, they're very kind of lights, camera, action, smoke machines, like beautiful music that would just like, you know, kind of pull on your heartstrings and just make it. It was a spiritual experience. So walking into the church, walking into one of those churches, especially, it's a really full on experience. And I I was so into it do you know what I mean I so bought into it I, I just I just loved it but there were just a few things that started to kind of prick my ears up a little bit I guess 
like one of the things that I struggled with and started struggling with and kind of feeling a bit icky about it was the the culture around giving money to the church a lot of churches vary in this way but this particular church was just they were kind of like a massive corporation to be honest yeah they're just full on they ask for money a lot Sometimes it just felt like it was just getting a bit too personal, like it was a bit too jumping in my pockets, like when that's that should be my own business. Um, I think it was as well like this feeling of like, I don't feel close to God in this environment. I don't feel like I know God in this environment. I don't feel like I um, have any kind of enlightenment um, or relationship with like a higher being right now. Um, and that for me was like, like, I think, I think one of the things that my parents had taught me, right, was like the fruit of the spirit, which is all these really wonderful things like grace, kindness, honesty, like you think of all the good things that qualities that someone can have. And that's what the fruit of the spirit were. But there was a Bible verse that says the greatest of these is love. And so that was one of the things that I always held close to me. And one of the things that I still hold close to me now that um my parents kind of taught me and I guess that was the thing I started seeing in the church is that I I couldn't see the fruit of the spirit I couldn't see these things that I had like tried to rely on in my whole life to show me you know like indicate whether something was good or not the church wasn't giving me (laughs) the good stuff and so yeah that was the first red flag then when I was about 16 my mother passed away which is really tough she died of cancer really um awful heartbreaking you know like it's a massive thing that I've had to grieve at the time I guess it was like my whole world was shattering and um I couldn't make sense of how God could let this happen to me yeah like I, I think the church they were really supportive there were a couple of things that and I can't pinpoint what they were, but there were a couple of things that the pastor said at the time that just didn't quite like sit right with me. And I just remember feeling so angry and frustrated. And honestly, I'm not trying to say that he did something wrong in this moment because I don't even know because I can't remember what he said. But I just remember that feeling of just being like, I am not happy here. And this is not, I don't feel safe here. And I just need to get away. Um, so that's when I first started like feeling that way. Um, and yeah, my, my dad actually remarried pretty quickly. He started dating pretty quickly after my mum passed, um, which is a whole nother thing. After he started dating, I guess that was just another realization of, man, this is all happening too fast and I just need breathing space. So I went overseas. I guess I just had this really strong urge that I, I, I just needed to get out. It might've been like a rebellious thing. I feel like I think it was my intuition, speaking to me and telling me live like you 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 can't handle this you just need to like have some space to breathe and like process everything so yeah that's what I did well, well, a lot a lot was happening yeah right? I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that it's it's crazy how these tragic events or these huge life shifts cause us to really I guess take more Mm. action or or bring a lot of things to light that we may have been either ignoring or just didn't see for what they Mm -hmm. were for so long I guess similar to what a lot of people are experiencing during COVID right everything is heightened so much that you start seeing so many more flaws in the world you start waking up to all of the things Mm. um, and and for you it was this this horrible experience that you were going through with the loss of your mum and stuff which is I mean mental at that yeah I mean it's just like it's it happens to a lot of people Um, a lot of people like I know for me I I just I could not imagine that ever happening do you know what I mean so when my mum was in hospital Mm. I was like but she's not going to die. Like, she's not going to die. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, it's impossible. Do you know what I mean? In my head, it was just so impossible that my mum would die. I did not believe it. Do you know what I mean? It was literally the last, like, day of her being in the hospital and just seeing her having less energy and the oxygen levels maxing out that told me, oh, my goodness, like, so what's next? What's next? Oh, there's nothing next. Oh, okay what like this is happening do you know what I mean so I think like we yeah I don't know it's a tricky thing because a lot of people look at death especially someone like your mom or someone really close to you and they think it's impossible it's not impossible Mm. it might happen to you and like as much as it's really freaky it isn't the end of the world 
and it can feel like it but um I think that's one of the main things that I learned is that like I I really wouldn't be who I am right now if that didn't happen and and sometimes I think I'm a little bit scared of who I would be now if that didn't happen to me which is so tragic because of course I'd love my mum to be alive now but I don't know I guess I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned along my journey and grieving is just so natural and death is a normal part of life and it's important that we learn to kind of be friends with it I guess to an extent um understand it a little bit better and it's it's amazing that you can have this perspective but I also have no doubt that whether your mum was still here that you would have eventually figured like yeah I really hope so (laughs) you you would yeah you know I think I think there is always something in us and it it may have been later but yeah it's it's interesting how we pinpoint certain moments in our life to being like the catalyst of of who we are Mm. today and who, who knows, who really knows what yeah. or where we would be. Like the, I was thinking about like the butterfly effect. And if you went back and changed one tiny thing, like where would, would you? Would it really be? change that much? No, yeah, yeah. I have no, I have no clue. It's hard to know. You will yeah. we'll never know. I wish yeah. we could. Yeah. Right. You know what I, I think is, is really interesting. And I hate that this is the, the narrative for so many people. Um, but the idea of moving up, uh, not moving abroad, but going abroad. And it is it is the catalyst of so much change for a lot of people in terms of opening mm. people's eyes up to different ways of living. And mm. the only thing that I can pin it to is forced change in community. So it's like forced change in surroundings. Um, no, uh, sorry, a, normal, a normalised um, removal of community because mm. doing it in your local city or even in your own country, you can still feel as though you have ties or um, especially now with socials and stuff that those people can still be viewing and um, commenting. Yeah. And it just shapes the way that you act sometimes without you even knowing it. Do you know what I mean? It really does 100%. shape your community, the people around you, they shape who you are. And And sometimes like for me, that's what I needed is space because I, I just I just needed to go place myself in a completely unique, like different environment. Not even necessarily well, I knew I knew I wanted to be in, in a different environment, but just like around people that didn't already have kind of preconceptions about who I was. So that like I wasn't kind of think having to think about everyone else when I was making my own decisions because that's what my life was when I was in the church when I was that age I was I think I just recognized I'm such a people pleaser and it's just wired into me um and it it dictates it my every move and if I want to start dissecting that quality then I really need to get out and like be free of my even if they were in my, even if they were all just in my head, mm-hmm. you know, I just need to go and be free of that and just like experience the world in a way that I, I wasn't constantly thinking about like how my decisions would be perceived by other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it's, it's, it's that physical removal that allows our headspace to open up. Mm, and I think for sure. it, it wasn't until like, as I got older, I realized how much more like life is more of a mind game than anything else and Mm. the actions that you can take to alleviate or to make change or the processes easier for your mind is the best thing that you can do and and for a lot of people that real removal of going abroad or even going into state is the easiest step that they can take for that first step of like seeking curiosity or or Yeah, just trying to figure out what other ways that they can live life that are different to the ones that they were brought up believing. Because a lot of us here now have this, the idea of, oh, life's supposed to go this way. This is how we do things because that's what we're surrounded Mm -hmm. by. And once you remove yourself from that and you start looking at different ways that people live, whether it's more worse off than you or it's better off than you or it's a way of living that you'd never thought that anybody could live it's 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 so freeing to like it's freeing to like at least learn and be more aware of other ways that that things can be done because I think 
if you don't challenge, and this is the one thing I've learned from my deconstruction, this is my number one thing, okay, it is if you don't challenge your beliefs, if you don't challenge what you have always thought to be or what you currently think to be, like the right or the normal or like the way that life is meant to be done or whatever, if you don't challenge that, you will never know how valid it even is. You just yeah. won't. And that's what it did for me deconstructing is I opened myself up and I allowed myself to challenge my beliefs and I've found myself and it sounds so cheesy, but I'm still finding myself every day, but I didn't know myself. And now I, I feel like I, I do know myself pretty well now. I'm choosing every day who I want to be and I feel empowered that I have that choice and it's just the most beautiful thing. Don't deprive yourself of that, you know. Don't um, believe that you're not free to do to do that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, totally. Um, so so you went, sorry, back to, back to your yeah. story now. No, but it, it was, it was awesome. And I think so many people are going to feel so much better, um, just hearing this spoken about. Um, so, so you've, you've gone, so. you've gone abroad now and you're in a whole new world. You, your life has kind of come crashing down um, in, in front of you. And, and now you're thinking, okay, I need to escape. I need to go somewhere yeah. else. Um, yeah. What happens when you go overseas? I guess it's a lot like what I mentioned before, that you're not thinking about what, how you're being perceived by other people as much, which is which is really empowering and cool to feel if it's something that you've been maybe a little bit trapped with before. But um, yeah, for me, I guess it was it was interesting. It was a rebellious phase. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed to go and get out there and like try a bunch of shit and just like be a bit of a wild child. I'd always been like that kid at school that it, like all the, everyone would just look at me and be like, oh, Liv's really nice, Liv's cool. But like, she's such a Christian and I was such a people pleaser as well. So like a lot of people did still, like a lot of people liked me at school, but like I made, I orchestrated that because I just wanted people to like me. I guess I just, my my being a rebel and going out and being crazy was kind of like a way for me to learn how to start being myself, <laughs> not for other people. The reason I went overseas, well, not the reason, but um, what I went overseas to do was to work on super yachts. So I did like a course. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I worked on super yachts for three and a half years. I worked on like four different yachts, all very different experiences, met lots of cool people from around the place, partied hard. I, I also met my my fiance. <laughs> we met, what it have been, 2017, I think we met. Oh, was it? Or to 2016? I think it was late 2016 that we met. Um, we were out one night and he asked me out on a date and I was like, oh, I'm tired of these fucking yachty <laughs> fuck boys. They just won't leave me alone. Like, I don't want a fuck. I just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. just like, oh, I'm so tired of this. Like, because that's all anyone wants over there, like um, in yeah. the yachting industry. It's very much like that. Um, and I don't, I'm not against it, but it just wasn't like, the, I just, that it's not what I wanted. That wasn't what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't what I wanted. So I was just like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> um, next morning I get a message from him saying like, hey, just by the way, like, I'm sorry if I came across like too strong last night, but I'd actually just really like to get to know you. And, and I think you're really cool. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and it sounds like. Finally a generic. normal human. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a generic message, and but but I could see that he was I I could tell that he meant it, and I was like, oh, he actually seems really cool. Like, yeah, I do want to hang out with that guy. I'm I'm a bit like, like I feel a bit guilty, but I was like, oh well, like it's not my fault, you know. Like I didn't know what his intentions were because it was like late at night as well, and I was just like. Oh. And I thought he was pissed, but it turns out now he tells me that um, he stayed sober or like relatively sober most of the night because he knew he wanted to ask me. <laughs> so yeah, that happened. And then um, it would have been like six months later or so that um, I actually had a job interview with his chief stewardess and she employed me 
partly because I play music, which was really cool. So I got to play music on that boat. It was a charter. So I got to play gigs for like the guests that came on board, which was so much fun. Amazing. How cool is that? Yeah, it was so incredible. Like it was absolutely priceless experience. I mean, like it was definitely my favorite, one of my favorite things to experience while I was overseas. Also, side note to that, the fact that this is so side, but the fact that like we can have these assumptions about men's intentions and then feel guilty if the intentions are actually real is a thing for so many women. And it's like, because this is our experience the majority of the time. So (laughs) exactly. And I'm sorry that one when the one out of every 10 times is genuine that we accidentally question it and then feel guilty after. Exactly. (laughs) And I've explained that to Cammy. I've been like, look, as much as I'm sorry, I'm not sorry because it is what it is. And like, I can't control, how am I supposed to know who you were? Do you know what I mean? How was I supposed to know? But do you know what? The cute thing is that I happened to get a job on the boat that he was already working on. Kind of a weird situation as well. So my chief, (laughs) so this is like, it kind of sounds crazy, but you have to understand the yachting industry a little bit to understand this. So like, the living quarters are small on super yachts and crew tend to be as well, like a little bit territorial about their space because they're already having to like share it with so many people. A couple of weeks after my interview um, for this job on this, I had a message from the chief shooter saying, hey, Liv, how are you doing? Um, she, she was actually Australian. She's so lovely. I think she was like from Adelaide. Um, she's like, hey, Liv. So I fully forgot to mention in the interview but we've actually got you in a cabin with a guy. Is that going to work? Because like no we can, way. we can shuffle you around. Like M- um, ML- MCA, MCA, MLC. Can't remember the regulation. The regulation, the regulation authority in the super industry says that you're kind of not meant to have guys and girls in the same cabin. And so she was like acknowledging that. And she was like, look, I know it's not really ideal and I would happily like shift the crew around if you're not comfortable with it but I just thought I'd check with you first because the reality is if she had to move crew around I'd probably arrive on my start date and have like grumpy crew around me because they had to move cabins unwillingly for the new girl um <laughs> the yachting industry is just fucked anyway do you know what I mean like it's it's fucked I, I, do, I don't really like it now I was like do you know what who is the guy who's the guy who's just this man that I might be sharing a cabin with and she said oh you might know him actually it's Cammy and I was like okay okay and let me think about it and so a couple days later I got back to her and I said look I honestly think Cammy I I get a good I get a good vibe from him I think I'm okay with trying it but can we just have like a two-week trial period and if I'm not happy then we have to switch around and she was like oh yeah that's awesome like thanks so much for being flexible and so that's what happened. And Kimmy was definitely the easiest person to share a cabin with out of all the different yachts. Like, well, that, if, if you're listening and you shared a cabin with me, I'm not telling you that you were shit. <laughs> but Kimmy <Cammy> was great. <laughs> Kimmy was, yeah, he was like a great person to share a cabin with. And I enjoyed his company and he was so respectful to the point where I was like, hello, I'm here. <laughs> that's how we got together. It was pretty cool. Wow, what a, what a like meant it. to be story as well, though. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I, when I tell people, they're just like, "What?" I t- really trust my intuition, and at the time, that was my number one thing. You're traveling the world; you're constantly faced with like some kind of risky situations. It happened all the time, you know. Mm. And you'd be forced to trust your intuition, and that's what I did, and it worked for me. And yeah, I guess that's another awesome thing about deconstructing that I've learned to do is trust my own intuition instead of the little voice in my head of like what the pastor would say if I did ABC or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the purity culture thing, which is another thing re- related to the story, is that oh my goodness, like having to call my family and tell them that I was sharing a cabin with the guy was one thing. Do you know what I mean? I realized that. My, my family, I'd already, I've already felt like going overseas. I'd kind of intentionally blocked my family out a little bit because I just wanted to have freedom from like worrying about what they're thinking. So <laughs> I wasn't like the greatest with communication. I'm not saying I was awful, but like, I just, I just needed to have that space. So, mm-hmm. um, but it did just get to a point where I was like, I need to, I need to be transparent with my family because this is what's going on in my life. And as much as it's going to be really hard and it was, it was really, really hard to tell them. And, um, 
as much as they're like amazing and loving, it was hard for them to hear it because everything they'd known about live being like this pure, like walk to the narrow path was a godly girl. And I, and I did everything to conceal my rebellion before I went overseas because I, I just, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, I just, I guess I just, it was like one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm growing up a little bit now and I just need to be honest. I think one thing that a lot of us can relate to and one thing like I've learned and, and we try and talk about a lot at, at the millennial crisis too is the fact that nobody's taught or a lot of us aren't taught how to communicate mm. and especially on, on subjects and topics that are difficult or that are surrounded by beliefs that we may not, we have been brought up with. Yeah. So if we've got a conservative outlook on something or somebody does in the way that we're brought up for us to communicate openly about one of those topics, even when you look at, I guess, just the general socialized like norm of when mm. you're at the dinner table, you don't talk about like sex, politics, yeah. religion. And it's like, well, why the yeah. fuck not? <laughs> you totally. know? Well, if you're around certain people and these are the people that you're around, then these are certain topics that you should be openly being able to talk about because they're your views on particular things you know and whether they're whether you have this share the same views or different views you should be able to have an open conversation right it's so healthy and if you aren't prepared to do that that to me is a red flag like are your beliefs really Mm. that healthy if you're not willing to pick them apart a little bit, dissect them a little bit, you know, like ask questions, have just constructive, healthy conversation, honest conversation with people that you love, you know, like if you love and trust your family, like obviously some families, some people aren't lucky enough to have that. But if you have that, um, don't, um, don't, uh, I guess, like sometimes, I, I guess for me, I guess I just, I just always, freaked out at how those kind of conversations would pan out but I've been realizing more and more and more that when I have these conversations usually I'm not the one I'm usually I am the one kind of instigating these conversations because they're not easy but when Mm -hmm. I go and just do it step into that conversation with a willingness to kind of articulate a gentle way and be honest and and also listen actively to understand their perspective most of the time I come away from those conversations with like such a strengthened relationship with that person and like a deeper understanding of who they are and why they do what they do. And Mm. that is just like, in my opinion, it's the answer to what's happening in the world right now is like open conversations and learning to actively listen and be compassionate with each other. Because the reality is we all hear just trying to carve out a way in this world and we're being shaped by our experiences and so sometimes people are a little bit shitty because they've had some shit experiences you know it's everything is there for a reason sometimes people will make a choice to be a shitty person but it's just a really beautiful thing to give them an opportunity at least to prove otherwise you know yeah exactly and and if and the, the most important part is even if it doesn't, if that outcome doesn't happen in that way and, and you don't end up leaving fit, like it's resolved or mm. whatever it is, or the person has a adverse reaction to things, yeah. it's for you. Yeah. You feel so much better because yeah. again, you could have easily hidden all of that stuff that was happening in your life and continued and, you know, made up a new story <laughs> of what happened and, and all of that stuff, but you would have held that. Yeah. You know, so I was already you, holding it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Crazy. And it sucks. It's the yeah. worst. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So it's, so it's so important to do that. If not for anyone else, just for yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And my family um, is so understanding. I love them so much. And like, uh, relation my relationship with my family is probably the strongest it's ever been you know like yeah. I have different beliefs to like a lot of them and um it depends like on all sorts of different topics you know like our beliefs vary but um just being able to like talk openly is just like oh it's amazing and I guess yeah I just think it's underrated for sure and I also think one 
problem that we have as millennials in our generation is is that when we change our view set and stuff, we can then be so stuck and righteous in what is right and wrong that we don't, mm-hmm. we then end up lacking that empathy. And I think for a lot of us who mm-hmm. were brought up in families with different views than what we may have right now, I, I find myself in this trap all the time as well where I'm like, but you're you're fucking wrong. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes emotion can get the better of you and you're like, why Mm. do they think this way? Why is this that thing? And the fact that we can emotional attachment to views. Yes. Emotional attachment. And if, if we know that it took us how long and, and we're still working on unpacking some of those perceptions and views that we've had, imagine other people who have had these views, perceptions and community for so much longer than us, how yeah. can we expect them to just change overnight or, or to even, like if they're open to listen, that's great. But in then if that listening doesn't turn into a change, perception or an- action, we mm-hmm. think, how, you know, and you can get yeah. frustrated. But it, it's really important that we can it's you know. never a waste of energy to do that, you know, like to yeah. just know you tried because you don't, it's, especially if you're coming from a place of compassion and it, like, obviously if the other person's not going to listen to you and they're just being a dick. That's another yeah. thing. But if yeah. you're coming from a place of openness and both being able to mutually listen to each other, like the, even if no one comes away with different views, it's still... I guess eye-opening and it, and it teaches us how to be better um, understanding of the world around us. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's so, it's a tool and, and it's really, really like invaluable. Being able to detach from your beliefs is another thing I guess I've learned is that like, yeah, that kind of righteousness about mm. your beliefs um, system. I mean, Sometimes it is just pointing to the fact that you're really confident in your beliefs and that can be a healthy thing, but I think it's also important to strip your ego back and just like be able to um, like separate your emotional attachment from your beliefs because otherwise some of these conversations are kind of impossible to have, you know, if you're just going to get worked up, then you're not going to be able to um, listen and understand their side better. Yeah. And I think it's it's also important just to mention as well that um, getting something off your chest is that's the first thing, right? Being able to communicate mm. something, even if you think the other person isn't going to agree with it. But the second part is like that first step to the energy that you're putting there. If you're not met then or in future aren't met because sometimes people need to go away and think about things and then come back to you with Mm, some kind but if you're not met with like respect or at least some kind of understanding from that person then it is okay to say okay well they're not supposed to be part of my life or whatever yeah that's that's okay too but in the start of like understanding well how did I come to the table did I come to it already with ready to battle (laughs) you know or was it that I came to the table with empathy and understanding that this Mm. might be super jarring for them and it's not necessarily their fault that that they have these views as well and that it's come from a line above and above or you know all of that yeah it often is coming from a place of purity and sometimes it's not but like Mm. Yeah, I guess based on what their experiences are, maybe that, maybe that is just coming from a really pure place. Yeah. I have a, a really interesting story, actually. It's, it's a little bit juicy. Well, is it juicy? I don't know. Not really. <laughs> but it's just really fascinating. So recently in New Zealand, I guess you've probably been hearing about the conversion therapy bill. I've been having lots of interesting conversations with all sorts of people on this topic I find it like really really interesting to dissect it obviously because of my deconstruction and I also kind of see myself as someone who should be well I think that it's the least I can do is to have some difficult conversations with people I know because at the end of the day like I understand like what it's like to be in the church and like why those beliefs are here or how the belief systems kind of interlink or work so I think it's important there's a lot of angry people out there about the church's approach to the conversion therapy bill because the church has been like kind of opposing it or whatever they're kind of wanting to change it slightly to cover their asses a little bit yeah I guess there's a lot of people that are really really angry and fair enough that you're angry but I guess for me I have an ability to see that be angry and separate that and, and and also see other people's perspective in the church of like why they have their beliefs 
So I've been trying to have these conversations um, as much as I can. And I actually had a real good conversation with this guy who's like an old family friend about the bill. And he explained all of his, he made himself really vulnerable, which I thought was really beautiful. And so did I. I guess I came away from that conversation. We we probably talked for two hours just thinking, man, like I am so like, so glad that I had that conversation and I'm also so grateful for that other person just like making themselves vulnerable hearing me out actively listening to my like what my what my frustrations or what my concerns were and then me being able to do the same to them and then actually it all makes so much more sense now you know like I'm not saying this is one this is just one person right they had like a few fair points and I think that yeah, I guess it was just like eye-opening. I think I often assume um, that like people in the church aren't willing to analyze their own perspectives, but not everyone fits in that box. Do you know what I mean? And just because I wasn't prepared to analyze and question my views doesn't mean that other Christians aren't willing to do that. They might have that Christian Christian label on them, but that doesn't mean that they're like a bad person. And sometimes they're not even homophobic at all. A lot of the time they're not, you know what I mean? But um, it just gets a bit blurry. I was just like the most incredible thing because this guy is still really, really involved in the church, quite connected as well to the lead pastor, which is huge. Mm. And to be able to step away from that and be like, wow, like he understands my perspective and kind of the perspective of why people are wanting to ban conversion therapy, which he understands that. He understood that already. Mm. He agreed that it should be banned, but like, he understands my perspective a little bit better. I understand his perspective better. And also what this conversation we had might actually influence what he speaks to the lead pastor about. And who knows, like that could actually have like a really awesome impact on this lead pastor, like understanding a little bit more, you know, like change is going to happen slowly over time and to be a part of it is, yeah, just really cool to see, you know. A hundred percent. I think going back to like us having these black and white views sometimes, which are, which is a lot of the thing that we are frustrated by the boomer generation for having as well. Um, we are now having on the other spectrum of things and religion mm. is one kind of thing. And I remember I was in New York and I was having a chat. I met a girl at um, a like networking event thing there and she was a pastor's daughter and I remember I I had a coffee with her and was speaking to her and I was like what's it like telling people that you're religious today because it it because mm. it is such a thing that a lot of us can judge people for and I mean I grew up in an orthodox household and I'd always told people that I was orthodox I never had a um, I guess bad and negative experience with religion growing up although now I wouldn't classify myself as that it wasn't a negative experience to me uh, for me because when I grew up my grandmother was very open in saying like well like God loves everyone and, and all of these kind of things so mm. it wasn't anything although we did some fucked up shit like <laughs> we used to like the, the priest used to live around the corner and we'd go like clean his house and do like shit like it's like what anyway <laughs> that's beside the point um, but yeah random like because uh, obviously he was anyway um but uh yeah and and I was speaking to her about it and I was like she's like to be honest like like thanks for asking that because it's so hard and I get so much judgment if somebody finds out that I am religious and she goes I I I sometimes I just don't say it or I'll tell people that I'm agnostic if I don't feel safe in certain circles because people will you know kind of bark down my throat about it and she was telling me her experience with religion and why she chose to stay religious the the older she got was because her connection with God was almost like a personal development thing and she was saying how Mm. like her dad had encouraged her to figure out her own relationship with God and and all of these kinds of things and she said like every city she goes to like she moved around quite a bit and she goes every city I would move to I would you know look at different churches and find which one was my people and she goes it forced me to find community in each place that I went to and Mm. I just found it so interesting that it was this one perspective and that she can get put in this box straight away just because she says 
that she is she believes in something yeah which is yeah it's it's I mean how would you feel if someone did that to you do you know what I mean like I'm not saying I'm not saying like I honestly like I'm so deconstructed I'm not a Christian anymore really at all but like and so like I'm saying this from that perspective you know but like if you had a specific like I know that we all have insecurities you know what I mean about our beliefs there might be one particular thing that you believe in I know I have lots of things that I believe in where I think oh like it's tricky because if I say it then like people will think blah 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 blah, but it actually doesn't mean all of the things that people are going to think it just means one small detail but unfortunately people do just tend to like box people in we all have things like that I mean I feel like we probably all do I don't know if you guys reckon but like I <laughs> no I, I just feel I, like I, totally I see it all the time so it's that's probably one of those what? things for a Christian I guess is that they they it's always yeah it's like the judgment even when I was a Christian I experienced it you know it was hard yeah and it is probably why the newer generations like millennials gen z we never want to be we never we don't like labels and that's yeah. probably why, because there's so much stigma and, and um, preconceived ideas of who a person is when you do put a label on them. Mm. And, yeah, and it, I'm really curious to see what the world will be like in 50 years of when we remove a lot of these labels. Because even in Korea, like, people find it, like, struggle to even sit with one title because they're like, but that's not my role or that's not what I do or um, I work in, you know, big corporate or something, but I'm not that person, you know. And and we always feel as though we need to justify who we are and what we do. And I don't know if that says more about our society or the people that we're surrounded with or the the lack of depth in our conversation I think it's the lack of depth I think you're right about that because um it makes so much sense because it's (laughs) like it sucks and it's so ridiculous but a lot of the world right now that we're living in is like trend setting and like what's cool you know like there's going to be a movement like Black Lives Matter and it's going to be the thing that everyone wants to plaster on their story because it kind of gives them like social points (laughs) in a weird fucked up way and it's so messed up because it completely undermines the whole point of these movements um but maybe if we can like I don't know like talk about things a little bit deeper Mm. then we can kind of get rid of that I don't know what the answer is to that though it's it's a tricky it's a problem I see everywhere you know yeah 100% what has the biggest lesson I guess that you've learned through exploring your curiosities been there's multiple and I've probably already said them but the main thing I guess would be intuition connecting with my own intuition and then another one would be questioning beliefs because that kind of makes them a lot more valid to me Mm. um and another one would be I guess yeah um being able to like remove the emotional attachment from your beliefs yeah awesome love them uh and then the next thing I have for you is for somebody who is maybe feeling some guilt or shame about who they were or the life um, and beliefs that they used to hold. Mm. Um, what would you say to somebody that is okay. is feeling all of that right now and is going through a kind of transition? Yeah. I mean, it can be really heavy and, like, I'm, I feel you on that. It's, it's a tough one. It's, I think that part of it might be there for a reason and, and you can sit with that and, like, kind of tune into it, but just remember that like when we've made if you as long as you know that you've made the change that you need to make and that you're prepared to continuously you know like be able to like step back and and double check it and make sure you're good as long as you have that then shame is not it's not worth it's not worth it do you know what I mean I I don't know if there's like an easy fix for getting rid of shame but sometimes just time uh, setting your intentions and like letting that healing take place over time is really helpful maybe if there's something that you might have did when your beliefs are different that you regret maybe there's some way that you can make reparations do you know what I mean and I think that's really powerful as well as like healing for you and for maybe someone that you might have hurt in the past from like the beliefs you used to have I know that's kind of 
something that I wish I could do. Like I wish that I could do, I wish it was easier to do, but I try and channel that in any way that I can, um, whether that's like advocating for people um, that I didn't, <laughs> that maybe I didn't used to, um, I don't know, or having difficult conversations with my family. Shame yeah. just doesn't, does. it's not productive a lot of the time. For sure. So. And I think that's a, that's, it's a great point that you brought up about sometimes the actions or beliefs that we we may have had and how that may have affected other people. We may not be mm. able to fix those and, and understand that sometimes we can't or people aren't willing to hear us out because of whatever we've caused with whatever we've done, right? But now being able to help or take more action moving forward is is so yeah. important um and it's Incredible. something that i've definitely like learned and, and done a lot of and um yeah you can't change the past but you can change your actions moving forward which is so important mm. um we are getting towards the end now so i've got three final questions that i ask all of my guests that are a little bit more in depth than the first ones <laughs> Because I just realized the time and I'm like, wow, that has <laughs> flown past. I know. I'll try um, and be more concise. No, no, I'm, no. It was Some brilliant. people call me long story live. So, so I'm completely no, no. aware. Long stories <laughs> are the best stories on a podcast, especially this one here. So um, the first question I have for you is what is the first small step you took to getting to, getting to where you are right now? Ooh. Yeah. That's real tough, Demi. It is. It's a hard one. They're, they're, they're not, that's why I start off with the easy ones in the beginning and then get to the, get to the gold later. Um, I guess for me personally, it probably would have been going overseas. I think it was just like needing to get to remove myself from it, from, I guess, environment. That probably would have been it for me. But it's a tough one because there's so many things along that journey that were really like massive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. The next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects Ooh. your mental health or well being. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> okay. This is like when you're talking about things in the past, that's something that when you're talking about right now, it's like, oh. Ouch. <laughs> so for me, I guess right now, do you know what? You know shit we should care about that um you talked to her. You talked yes. to her. Was it Liz? Yeah. Or was it Liz? It was Liz, yeah. wasn't it? Um she posted something about it. It was this um this this feeling that we we're experiencing in lockdown, and I've forgotten the name for it, but basically it's like a fatiguing this feeling of being like fatigued and like unmotivated and like that kind of thing. I've been really struggling with that. So I think that would be my main thing is that I'm trying to dissect that and understand how I can move forward from it. And it's really tough because everyone's going to say like, oh, just, just do it. Just get out of bed in the morning. Like, even though you feel like shit or like just change your habits, mm -hmm. but like actually doing it sometimes can be really hard. So I'm cu currently working with that and it's really hard. It's really hard, but I'm just taking it a step at a time. Yeah. Amazing. And so relatable. So many of us are in the midst of that right now. And I think a lot of us have also like lost who we think we like who we actually are because these past couple of years have put us in a whole new space. Right. Mm. Which is, which has been a lot and you forget who you were. And name is different. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. And the final question I have for you is what is one thing you are still curious about or would like to explore? Ooh, I think that would be, um, going back to the intuition thing, it would just be like, um, embracing, um, spirituality that that is just my own exploration. <laughs> it's literally just that. It's not like tied down to anything. And I've been having this conversation with actually, I've got a lovely group of women who all are ex evangelicals as well. And we have a lot of really awesome conversations with each other. We've got a little Facebook group going on. And um, I've been seeing this as a trend is this like, 
people connecting with everyone's like talking about the same thing we're all just having that like um freedom to explore it without like a burden of expectations or rules or anything to follow um so yeah I think I'm just excited to kind of continue doing that without like thinking about anything else but my own navigation of it mm. um because as much as I've deconstructed there's still so much work to do like I'm I still really struggle with like exploring kind of those kind of ideas without feeling like I'm going like even seeing going into this group of women will be sitting in a room around a circle like before lockdown happened chatting about these things and often we're just talking about mental health or whatever but it feels like I'm in like a home group like a church home group and it's a bit triggering so I think it's just like learning to strip away those ideas from it and remember that there is a way to be able to like explore your inner self and your own spirituality and self-awareness um without the burden of like religion not saying it's a burden all the time no 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 but from your experience it's different again I think we've definitely clarified that different people's experiences or past yeah transform their perceptions on things the last thing is the challenge that you are going to set for everybody so yeah did you want to share a little bit about what you'd like everyone to try this week sure so I guess I want to make this applicable to everyone and it actually is really easy to do it for everyone because I think we can all relate to it is acknowledging like a can you acknowledge a time in your life that you you had different beliefs to what you had now think about that whole experience and how that took place and think about what make what makes you grateful for that experience how you've changed and why you're grateful basically for um yeah shifting in your belief system I love that it's gonna be so good for people yeah yeah I think there's some there's some it's easy to look back and just be like oh that was really fucked up and I hated how I was but instead this is a good solution to the shame thing that we're talking about acknowledge what it was what changed and how it shaped you and why you're grateful for it because I love that great, great way to get rid of the shame 100% and also knowing that like everyone's got this like everyone's got something there that they feel this way of and um, being able to do that is is awesome I'm excited for everyone to do this and if you do it please let us know let me learn let live know and if you do the challenge and you find some results if you've connected with anything that Liv has said you can get in touch with her on your Instagram's the best place so what's your Instagram and we'll share that in the show notes as well Liv Collier Actually, you know, live cauliflower. So my Instagram name is live, L-I-V, cauliflower, the vegetable, Beautiful. all one word, all lowercase. We'll share that in the show notes so you guys can um, connect with her there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was such an amazing chat. So and I'm so excited for people to hear this episode because I think, yeah, a lot of people are going to relate and grab some, some beautiful gems out of it. Yeah. Well, I just thought it's really relevant because we're talking about belief systems and um, the mental health app that I happen to work with is all about belief systems. So I just thought it'd be worth mentioning it. It's really cool app it's really awesome if you want to have like a proactive way to take a look a little bit deeper at like things you might be experiencing in your life why you might be experiencing them and how that ties in with your beliefs and maybe how you can kind of reassess those beliefs to make them serve you better it's really awesome it's called think letter it's free to download check it out let me know if you have any questions you can send me a dm or you can send think letter dm because i'll be there too but yeah I strongly encourage you to check it out it's not for everyone but it's worth a go yeah for sure definitely check out Think Ladder awesome well thank you so much Liv and yeah I can't wait to see I I hopefully can't wait to see some music coming from you and stuff like that yeah in the future (laughs) nothing like a bit of healthy accountability (laughs) (laughs) amazing well thanks again thank you so much Demi I had so much fun chatting 